Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to introduce our special guest, the head coach and GM of the Ogden Mustangs of the USPHL, Kenny Orlando. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks for taking the time to jump on today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and just like Chris said, uh, Kenny, uh, thanks for hopping on and... um, you know, I know our listeners have heard a lot about Ogden, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about, uh, you know, the Mustangs today. So uh, let's get right into it. And uh, give us a little bit about yourself and kind of what led you into the roles of the Mustangs you hold today. Yeah, well, hockey's my entire life. Basically, from the time I was born, I was I stepped on the ice around three years old with skates. And, you know, my dad was pushing me around, getting me accustomed to the game and accustomed to the lifestyle. And, you know, within I would say five years so I was probably about eight years old he um he went forward with uh, a lifelong dream that he had of building a hockey facility so you know I'm eight years old and um you know I'm watching my dad build an ice rink with his bare hands and you know that that was kind of what got me into the game and you know ever since you know 20 years later at this point it's been nothing but hockey so, you know, having having a family that owns a rink and getting to play my whole life and um, some of the events that have, you know, uh, turned my lifestyle a little bit from being a player into a coach. You know, it's it's been a great 20 years involved with the game and, you know, I don't expect to step away from it anytime soon. First of all, that's really interesting about your dad building a rink with his bare hands. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that would really develop a passion right there, like deep, deep passion. And how did the rink end up? The rink's amazing. I mean, you look at it now, it's, uh, it was 2001. So we're 20 years in now. And originally it was a two sheet facility. And now we're, we're onto a three sheet facility with another mini rink down the road. Um, the mini rink is more focused for, you know, goalies and, and smaller, you know, youth teams to be able to get on the ice for like skill set practices. But, um, there's a lot of goalie clinics, uh, goalie private lessons and stuff that are done there. That's, it's right down the road, maybe two minutes down the road on a different lot. But the three sheets are all in the same lot. Um, the two original rinks are, are together under one roof. And then the third rink that was added uh, just a handful of years ago is across the parking lot. So it's you, it's great to see how that the game has developed and, you know, the interest in the area has continued to grow. And, you know, obviously on the East Coast with with hockey, it's it's very, very prevalent. There's a lot of people that want to get on the ice and not only hockey, figure skating, just the, the rink is always booked from, you know, the, the, from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, that, that rink, all three sheets are completely booked. So it's really great to see. Yeah. I think my, my lifelong dream here at some point is literally just be one of those rink rack guys, you know, always there, you know, knows every nook and cranny of the rink can fix it all. Uh, everyone has their dream. Mine is to just be a rink rat somewhere, somewhere in North America. I would, I would love to be a rink rat. And uh, yeah. no, that that's really cool. And so then you got into coaching, you mentioned, and uh, kind of tell us a little bit about your coaching career and kind of what led into Ogden. Yeah, so I'm, I uh, I've kind of had a taste of everything at this point. Um, you know, I started when my career kind of got yanked out of my hands per se with. You know, when I was playing college hockey at the Division Three level uh, as a freshman, I only got to play the first seven or eight games, and I ended up with a very serious concussion that completely changed my career. 
And that's kind of what, you know, dialed my focus into coaching because I was a, you know, a freshman in college. I had plans on, you know, not only playing college, but playing professional afterwards. And I was already kind of speaking to a couple teams as far as, you know, down the line of what could look like after college. And uh, to have, you know, that dream taken away from you and not on your own terms, you know what I mean? To walk away, forcefully having to walk away from the game just because my head was not in a good spot. The health was not there. And I was battling serious concussion symptoms from that injury that, you know, it, it really led my path a different direction away from playing. And uh, after that freshman year at SUNY Canton, I transferred back uh, towards my family in Temple University in Philadelphia. And I finished my three years of schooling there and, you know, I couldn't just give the game up. So the only way to get and stay involved with the game was to get behind the bench. And, you know, from there, there was a very quick passion from that uh, that I recognized. So I was a sophomore in college now and I'm making friends in class. You know, some of those are hockey guys. And then, you know, I end up getting involved with the hockey team and there you know it. Now I'm coaching them. So for those two years at Temple, while I was coaching Temple University, I was, you know, buddies with a lot of those players and I was the same age as a lot of those players. So that was a really unique type of situation. And then uh, to move on from there, you know, I was a senior in college and still going to Temple, but I uh, took an opportunity with Villanova University to head coach their team. So same division, same level of college hockey, but, you know, I'm going to school at Temple and I'm friends with all those kids. And then at night, you know, I'm ended up coaching Villanova and we're planning, you know, <laughs> tactics and strategies against some of my buddies that are playing on Temple. So, uh, you know, I don't think you can really draw up a situation like that again. Like that was definitely a very unique situation. And that was my first experience as a head coach with Villanova. And I did that for two years. So that second year with Villanova, I was no longer in school. So I moved into my family's rink and I helped, you know, my cousin with uh, hockey directing at the rink all day and fortunate enough for me Villanova played out of our rink so not only was I working there all day is helping with the hockey director stuff but you know I'd stay at night and you know run Villanova through practice video everything else so I you know I basically lived at my family's rink all that year and um, just a couple connections that I had and people that I knew I was able to continue to explore the coaching world a little bit and found a great opportunity with Austin and you know to tie back to your original question, you know, the, what stuff had prepared me or got me to where I am with Ogden. And it was that experience in Austin, a hundred percent. You know, Steve Howard was a great mentor. He was, you know, constantly on me and helping me develop as a coach and um, you know, being in junior hockey and getting to wear a bunch of those different hats as a coach to, to see how a team's run from top to bottom, not just standing behind the bench, calling numbers or, you know, giving out strategy, but, you know, how, how the whole operations run, you know, getting to see that in Austin and live it and be a huge part of that, you know, that was what really pushed me into this uh, prime opportunity in Ogden to, to take the, to take the reins here and, you know, continue to push a program the way that I think it should be pushed. It's shown because honestly, the Mustangs have had a wildly successful couple season. I think you're the uh, quickest coach in Ogden's history to reach, was it 50 or 100 wins? Uh, yeah, well, we, we hit 50 right there, right there before Christmas. Okay. That's what um, it is, yeah. yeah. So I, I, and I, I would, you'd have to fact check me on this, but I, I think that it was last year was the most wins from a first year coach. Um, obviously this year we're looking to surpass that, but you know, a couple, a couple of good accolades there, but you know, Ogden's always been a very good team and it's, 
mm-hmm. the standard uh, is set extremely high. And, you know, I'm accepting of that challenge. You know, we want the best for this team and for this program every single day. And we, you know, we expect success and brilliance. So I think that the standard that was held here before I even came in and, you know, from the previous ownership and and coaching staff, they did such a great job that we just want to keep it at that level. Yeah. And I've been a fan of the the organization since 15, 16. And, and this season, the Mustangs are having a really, really awesome showing. And the listeners have had to hear about it all season long because I really don't <laughs> shut up about the Stangs. But this season, the Mustangs are also working with Ogden X Media on a mini docuseries that is currently, as of this recording, four episodes in. Uh, so what do you think the docuseries helps not only bring to the Mustangs, but the USPHL? So what the docuseries does, I mean, first off, I'm going to give Ogden X so much credit on what they're doing. Jimmy and Warren um, and, and a couple people behind the scenes that they have, they are absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible human beings, uh, workers, you know, they don't stop and they'll do anything to put out an extremely quality product and they don't, they won't accept anything less. Um, with, with that, you know, for the viewers, you know, they get to see the behind the scenes stuff that they never get to see, you know, I like to call yeah. it the behind, behind the curtain. Right. So, you know, when, when that door's closed, and, uh, you know, when, when people are getting to watch the game, maybe it's only online, they're watching it, and they, they don't get to see that the interaction that the coaches and the players have or that the players together have or, you know, what, what the gameplay up close looks like and all the stuff that is included off the ice. You know, so to get to see the behind-the-curtain look of that, it's extremely, you know, interesting for a viewer or, you know, even the fans that are here watching a game every night, they don't see the extras. So getting to see that. Uh, it makes it really interesting for a viewer throughout uh, throughout the season. But for the uh, Mustangs, you know, us as a group, it promotes the quality that we're not only putting on the ice, but that we're giving these boys, you know, a quality of life. You know, the structure, the the schedule management, you know, how high of a standard that we keep these kids to, whether it's, you know, in the classroom, in the gym, you know, being on time, you know, in, in, even in our, you know, I said classroom, I mean, academics, even in our hockey classroom, when we're watching video, the, the standard is extremely high. And for the docuseries to be able to get clips of that and showcase what this, how the programs run on a daily basis, it really, you know, helps the Mustangs excel to the next level. For the USPHL, I do think that there's a lot of, you know, free, not only free advertising and marketing in that, but you know, it, it showcases how great of a league that that we're in and that we're involved with and, you know, the different events that they get to run when you when you'll see in our docuseries, you know, the the showcase that we go to in November and uh, just outside of Boston and, um, you know, having different California teams come up and play us for a showcase style weekend in Utah, like the, the way that the leagues run and what they allow us to do to, you know, uh, give us some diversity in our schedule for being out here in Utah and you know, also getting to play some of the top-notch teams when we go to these showcases, they, you know, they strength the schedule, match us, so we we get some of those top opponents. It's uh, it's it's really good light for the for the USPHL as well. And you know, when you look at the competitive nature of Tier Three, all the different leagues in the United States and in Canada, when you see some of this with your own eyes through the docu series, and you can see how the leagues run and how the, our programs run, I think it pushes kids into our league instead of uh, pushing them away. You know, grabs them and wants them to be a part of it. So really, really cool experience thus far. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of everything here in Ogden and, and working with X Media. It's been great.
Yeah, it's, it's been really cool to watch so far. I always wait for when they're going to drop uh, another episode. And I think episode four came out about a week ago, week and a half ago. And uh, yeah, it's they're enough to get just to bring you in and then just the, the credits come up and I'm, or the credits really, it's just the players and their numbers. But uh, yeah, it's uh, always waiting for the next episode. But um, yeah, really, really excited to see it keep going for sure. Yeah, and uh, so Kenny, earlier, sorry, I don't mean to cut you guys off here, but uh, just had a kind of a question. Earlier, you did mention, um, you know, your time with the the Nalls, Austin Bruins, and a couple of weeks ago, we just chatted with their play-by-play announcer, Jared Becker, and he was kind of talking about how, you know, great organization that is as well. And you did kind of touch on a few things that kind of, you know, that you learned while while your time with the Bruins. Um, but I was kind of wondering if you can kind of, you know, tell me and tell the listeners kind of that maybe that one thing, that one lesson you learned that really kind of helped you. You know, while you were with the Bruins, that one lesson you learned to kind of really, I guess, build you into the coach slash GM you are today. My gosh, I could answer this plenty of different ways, but <laughs> I think that the one thing that, you know, I learned specifically from from Steve and the experience as a whole, but definitely through Steve is that, you know, the with junior hockey, you're you're going to be wearing so many hats, a lot of hats that you may not you know, have thought you'd be wearing. And what I mean by that is just the responsibilities, they'll never fit on a job description. Um, They'll never, you know, it's never a little small laundry list of, hey, I do this stuff and, uh, you know, on my checklist and I'm done for the day. It's a never ending, it's a never ending job. And, you know, for me, you know, just learning that through that experience in Austin and getting to work with Steve Howard and Keegan Edmundson, just all the different hats that you have to wear throughout the season. And, you know, I can just, you know, instead of giving you that general answer, I can certainly give you a list of them. I mean, it's, it's the coaching X's and O's. It's the travel itineraries that you're planning. It's the community service involvement. You know, it's the managing the finances, the recruiting on a daily basis, where you're driving to, to watch a high school game at night. Um, You know, the summer camps, the, the billeting, there's just so much different organization and stuff that you need to keep control of and keep tabs on. And if you let any of those pieces slip, your program isn't going to be as strong as you want it to be. So, you know, that was the one lesson that I learned is, you know, being able to manage and wear those different hats on a daily basis. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to have an assistant or whoever or a helper, being able to delegate some of those things and make sure that the assistant's aware of what's going on and, and how things need to be run as well. And I think that lesson um, certainly helped my experience here stepping in, in in Ogden as a head coach and the general manager. And then with us, you know, being as fortunate as we are here, having Nick Dreyer and Steve Soto to be here, you know, as permanent helpers, I've been able to kind of give them small chunks of this to focus on. And, you know, us as a group, making sure that this is top notch all the time in every single one of those sections. So when we go on the road, everything's taken care of. You know, when when we're at home and we have a game day operation, you know, that the volunteers are head to toe. They know what they're doing throughout the whole night. You know, that's that's the one thing that I can take away from Austin and that experience as a whole and bring it into Ogden and and put my own little twist on it for sure. Uh, And and obviously all that's like awesome, Um, honestly. And for me, like, um, you know, I'm an assistant coach myself and obviously every coach wants to kind of work their way up into, you know, a position like where you are as a head coach, GM. You know, we all kind of have that that goal in mind when we first start coaching. Now, talking about all those, you know, hats and different kind of, you know, jobs you hold that, you know, will never fit on one piece of paper, right? They're, they're endless, really, what, you know, a coach has to do. Um, what would be kind of your number one 
piece of advice you would give to a coach, you know, trying to work their way up? Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, you could, you could look at a statement that I would say here and, and just say it's pretty generic, but if you, if you really think about it and dial it in, like it makes a lot of sense about being yourself as a coach, trying not to be a coach that you are not. Um, so what I mean by that is there's different types of coaches, there's different types of coaching and, you know, uh, embracing whatever you are, you know, if you're a coach that is able to develop more of a personal connection with the players and, and you know, connect on a, a more emotional level, or are you more strategic X's and O's where the guys, you know, they come in and, and you know, whatever you say goes type of thing, like you need to embrace whatever type of coach that you are and not change that based off of, you know, another team or someone else's success that they've had. You know, it's certainly great to be able to learn from other people, but, you know, you need to be yourself as a coach and don't try to be someone else. You know, what comes with that piece of advice, I think, is being open-minded. So being open-minded not only to um, the game, right, and how the game evolves, but your players. So, you know, just the way that I'm able to connect with our guys here is, you know, that, you know, I'm in a mindset where myself, Nick, Steve, we're always learning. And if you're not always learning as a coach, that's when I don't think you're going to see uh, if you're trying to strive for another layer of success. I don't think that you'll get there if you're not willing to continue learning. So being able to connect with my guys on a personal level, I think helps get the most out of them. And then, you know, me being willing to go into the office every day and learn something new, whether it is, you know, it's not always going to be X's and O's. Um, it might be something more about, you know, uh, you know, psychology, uh, you know, being able to connect with a mind in a certain way, you know, when someone's going through some adversity, how can you help in those types of things? So for me, you know, being yourself and, and being open-minded to developing and growing new skills, I think is the biggest piece of advice that I can give. And then just looking at my experience so far, like I'm very ambitious. Um, obviously I'm not the oldest coach on the block, so continuing to learn and, and, you know, strive to be better every day, but you certainly don't want to you know, overwhelm yourself and, and bite off more than you can chew at any time. You need to take little bits and pieces and focus on them. So, you know, on, on a daily basis, if you're if you're focusing on on one area and you really want to get better in this area, you know, you're, you're not I don't want you to grab chunks from three different spots and trying to, you know, trying to get stronger and better every single day in three different areas. If you're focusing on one thing per day that you can really improve your skill set at, um, I think that it makes things a little bit easier on yourself. You don't feel so overwhelmed all the time. No, I, and honestly, I think those are, those are some honestly like amazing points you brought up. Um, you know, especially with how coaching's changed these days. I'm really glad you brought up one, you know, always learning. Um, we're always asking our players, you know, to learn something or, you know, take time to, you know, adjust something. Um, and, and if we're showing them as coach, we're, we're also, you know, taking our time to learn something or adjust something about our game. It just kind of shows, you know, we're not just telling you to do it. We're also doing it ourselves. I think the second thing that you brought up that I think is huge, and I, I think more people need to kind of listen to it, is just be yourself. Like, if you're that coach who can make an emotional bond with your players, and I would say that to me, that's my kind of my coaching style. Um, I've always been told, you know, draw that line. But to me, it's just, if you break that line, that player shows you're willing to go above and beyond for them, usually gives them a little bit more initiative to go above and beyond for you on the ice. So I think those are awesome points. And I really appreciate you bringing those up. Absolutely. No, you're, you're 100% right. You hit the nail on the head there where as long as that line is established and it, it, you know, it's a line in the sand and everyone can see it, you certainly can push to the line and get as much as you can out of those guys. 
and they still know that you love and care about them um, and that you're willing to do whatever it takes for them. And then in return, that's like you said, that's when you get those the most out of those guys and you see the results you want on the ice. And that's what we've been trying to do here as a staff. You know, we firmly believe in that, that we show the kids the respect and the care that, you know, we expect that and that they'll show that in return, not only off the ice with us individually, but on the ice with their performance. That's awesome. And uh, seriously, I mean, I'm not a coach. You guys are the, are the coaches here. and But I think for everyone out there that aspires to be a coach or is currently a coach uh, somewhere in North America or Europe or wherever they're coaching, it really doesn't matter if it's hockey or not. Uh, other sports uh, could definitely take that advice to heart. And I think the be yourself aspect with coaches, if you're trying to be something you're not, I think your players in any sport are going to see through it. Yep, I would totally agree with that. Right. I mean, you know, when when you're spending so much time with these guys, you know, your your family, right, you're with them every single day. And if you're trying yeah. to put on a front or, you know, just be someone or something that isn't you, it's going to come out, whether it's the first day or the last day, they're going to see it eventually. When the times get tough, usually you can kind of see who you really are as uh, seen with the players. Right. We can see who they really are when they when adversity hits. But, you know, for us as the as the leaders of that team and you know, the, the people that are driving the ship and trying to guide these boys, not only in hockey, but in life, it's it's important to, to be who you are and embrace that and, and have those guys follow suit. It's, it's such important advice. And I think all of our listeners uh, involved in that world definitely need to, to take that to heart and, and to follow it. Um, kind of a transition question before we kind of get into the personal side of who Kenny Orlando is. Transition question for this is going to be, you know, just this past weekend, you had an NHL legend in the building for Autism Awareness Night, one of my favorite attendees of all time. So much so I have his jersey, I have his trading cards with him eating the hot dog. I know he hates that card, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> even my specialized state of Virginia license plates that read KZIG 37 from when I was in the state of Virginia. The fact that he was in Ogden only slightly triggers me to the dead south level. And I'll get into that after your answer. But how was it hosting Olaf Kolzig, Oli the goalie, this season after I left? Oh my gosh, it was, that was an amazing experience. Uh, on on many levels you know I, I can relate to you when I was when I was really young I, I collected hockey cards and everything as well and he was one of my favorite guys to collect with that stuff so you know I'd say 20 years ago or so and you're collecting yeah. his memorabilia and looking at him and idolizing his accomplishments and who he is as a person and then you know fast forward 20 years to now where he's you know he was in the building but it was more than that. You know what I mean? We, the event was centered around him and his foundation that he has. And, you know, he's obviously very tight friends with, with our owner, Sean Wilmert. And, you know, the night before the game, I got to go over there and spend some time with Oli and Sean and, and Kimberly and, and have a great night with them and just, you know, kind of just converse about not only the game, but, you know, different stories and, and things, you know, that, we've been involved with through the years with the game and just sharing them with each other and getting to hear some of his background and, you know, everything you can look him up online and everything and see his background, but getting to hear some of that come out of his mouth about how he enjoyed some certain things and his experience with Germany and everything else just was amazing for me to, you know, a great learning moment and definitely build a great connection with him there. And, you know, going into that night, I think everyone was really excited to, you know, not only play for such a good cause. Um, and obviously we had some pretty great sweaters. Thanks to assistant coach, Nick Dreyer with the design. Those were cool. Those uh, were cool. Yeah, they, they, yeah were they were good. 
they were great for sure. But to, you know, most importantly, celebrate and spread awareness for, you know, the foundation that, that he has, the Carson Kolsig Foundation, and just uh, making sure that people are aware that, you know, how much this affects people in their life. You know, that not all of us go through this, but the people that do, you know, it's it's life changing. It really is. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, spread some of that awareness and have such a uh, amazing night top to bottom. Uh, you know, I would say not even just the 60 minutes. That was pretty solid hockey with a, you know, with a five to two win over San Diego. But the operations as a whole were on point that night. So, you know, when we were, you know, we, we came in, you know, a couple hours before the game and everything was already set up and everyone was ready to go. And, you know, the volunteers were plenty early. Uh, they were just all excited to be a part of it. And you, you look in the VIP room in our rink and there was a, a stage set up you know, from Ogden X, they, they ended up having a stage and a great a different light show in there and everything where after the game, we were able to set up, I'd say 50 to 75 people in that VIP room to watch them perform on the stage and had some live music and, you know, only got to see and get a taste of what it's like to be an Ogden fan and, and see from head to toe the, the show and the operations that we put on on a daily basis. And uh, getting to share that with him and have him, him, you know, involved with our fans and interact with them, it, it was an honor. It was, it really was an honor. No, it looked like a real cool night. And uh, when I heard that Kolzig would be coming into the building this year, I think it came online. Stefan pulled me aside, like, "Hey, check that out. Only the goalie's going to be there." And I was, <laughs> I was none too pleased myself, having just left Ogden. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Kasich fan, and I, I got, like I said during the question, I got this Dead South vibe. So, But the Dead South is like a Canadian folk group. They're, I love their videos, and Hell I'll Be In Good Company is probably the song that launched them. But they've got so much good music, and I bring them up because when I was in D.C., they were in Utah. When I went to Utah, they went to D.C., and I have a couple examples of this where no matter where I was, it's like it happened four or five times where I leave an area and within months they announced they're going to that area. So finally this year, pending COVID, I'm in Copenhagen and they're going out to Alberg, Denmark, which is about a three and a half hour train ride in June. And I will be going to that concert. But uh, when I found out Kolzig was going to be at the arena, I had that dead south moment for me. Um and anyone that doesn't listen to Dead South, give them a listen. They're awesome. They're on Spotify and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I, I just couldn't shake it. And watching the game, because I, I watched it on replay because I can't watch games live at 3.15 in the morning. I mean, I could, but my wife would hate me. Uh, I yell at the TV regardless of what time of day it is. Yeah, it was uh, upsetting not to be there, but very, very cool to uh, to see Kolzig in uh, the Weber Ice Sheet for sure. Yeah, just – really happy with the whole night and the, you know the weekend as a whole was good but that friday night was something special you know and getting to see him here in his element you know getting to speak about you know his foundation and and just see him you know with such a tight-knit relationship that he has with sean he was he was he was into it and it was great to see and i was you know i was honored to be a part of that that's awesome and you know, kind of talking about you know being in their element and all that. Talking about kind of Ogden, obviously. Um, Chris has literally never stopped talking about Ogden, even though he's moved. Um, every conversation we have is like, "Hey, Ogden, this, Ogden, this." Like, I honestly don't understand why he doesn't still live in Ogden, but I mean, that's his problem, not ours. Um, yeah. But you know, that being said, in your opinion, what is the best place you know to grab food in Ogden? And I want to know if Chris agrees here. Yes. Okay. So. 
that is something that you know myself and and my girlfriend amanda we you know we make a hobby of when we have some free time so if you're looking at the that area of you know 24th 25th you know Mm -hmm. my favorite right if you're looking in that area i would probably say slack water yep i love i love slack water i think it's great we've been there a handful of times even just recently their their food's great and they they have some really good drinks as well yeah, that was our post. Uh, that actually, when you guys play your Sunday uh, matinee games, that's usually where me and uh, whoever I went to the game with would go immediately after. Is we'd go straight to Slackwater, and I'd order. I, I'd always order the wings, but they had plenty on the menu. The the ah, there's a specific pizza I can't think of that I. They were like but, flatbreads, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. They're really good, and then uh, most of their meals come with like those homemade chips that they make. Yep. Yes. Uh, that that's top notch. I always have those and dip them in a cup of ranch. So like that's my go-to. If you were looking outside of like the typical Ogden like 24th, 25th Street area, place that I love that we stumbled upon last year was Timbermine Steakhouse. So I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but is that the one near Ogden Canyon? I believe so. Yeah. That's yeah. yep. Yeah. It's it's buried back there. They their their steak wrapped in bacon is incredible. You know, we've, we've been there, I don't know how many times now, and I don't even need to have a menu anymore. I just know what I'm getting when I walk in there. So. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been there. I've, been to, I've eaten around Ogden, Leighton. Um, I'm really not Clearfield. I don't really, there's no point for me to ever go out there. Uh, but like Ogden, Leighton, Salt Lake City area. And yeah, Slackwater was me and my buddy's favorite spot to go to. The guy who was always going to the games with me, uh, right there sitting in the Roddy Row, that was his go-to spot now we both left um he's relocated back to ohio for some reason you know i'm in copenhagen but uh yeah slack water that's an awesome choice i i liked um well i liked hearth and 25th for a nice date night if you guys haven't gone there um that would be a yeah good yeah I've heard, it's, I've heard good things about that i have not been there they make really good get their smoked um they do a smoked old-fashioned that's awesome they got uh lots of ones and then picking the jelly jar and their breakfasts are insane roosters obviously they're spot they yeah. their beer are there is their beer still at the uh arena because it's been there every year i've been there yeah okay yeah, yeah. their uh roosters is awesome too uh, great 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 places to eat um but you know food and drink aside what is it that you like to do with your very limited free time in ogden so um, I guess with that question, it just depends on the time of the year. So, you know, if it's if it's summer, like I'm running around like a madman recruiting, you know, I I think that I'm on a plane or in another city more than I'm in Ogden uh, throughout the summer. So, like, there's not a lot of free time. But if I am here, I like to go golfing with uh, with Stefan, our our broadcaster and Nick and Steve and Sean. Um, we definitely go out golfing a good handful of times. So that's a that's a really fun thing to do around here. If it's in season, like I said, my girlfriend Amanda and I, we we go out a bunch. So if if we have a night, you know, where I can weasel a couple hours away, we'll try out new places to eat. And I would say if we're extending outside of that, every once in a while we like to try to get on a hike or get on the mountain somewhere and and you know just enjoy the nature that is, you know, Utah. You know, because I'm not used to that being from outside of Philadelphia. You know, if you're finding it. <laughs> You're not finding any mountains there, but you know if you drive an hour or two to get to the Pocono Mountains, it's yeah, it's, it's great and it's beautiful, but it's it's definitely not the same as what we have out here. So I just try to find a, a you know a time here or there to go appreciate that. Yeah, as a Buffalo kid, I feel you there. Um, there's a I didn't grow up with 
the option for the many of those hikes. We'd go to like Letchworth State Park and stuff, and we we could go down to the Poconos and into the Adirondacks and such. But yeah, the Utah hikes. I have so many favorite ones, but obviously Adams Canyon, if you haven't done that one yet, is like the ultimate hot day hike. Because once you end the sandy switchbacks, which you feel like by the end of that 15 minutes of the sandy switchbacks, you made a big, big mistake. Um, (laughs) Because it's all exposed sun. Obviously, the Utah heat uh, can get brutal. Um, And then you walk probably another five to six to seven minutes still in the exposed sun. But then you start to hit the shade in the water. First thing you do is you just dip your head, like your hat into the water and everything. And the rest of the hike for the next like 45 minutes to an hour is just in and out of the water. And then you hit the waterfall at the top. Uh, best hike. It's right. Adams Canyon. I don't know. They're doing a lot of construction on 89 right now, but they I don't know where the parking is. So I don't know if they affected the parking there. But yeah, if you get the chance to do the Adams Canyon hike, if you haven't done that, that one's probably my favorite hike. And it was only I, I lived in Layton, so it was only like a five minute drive. I'm writing it down. I'll yep. get it done. Awesome, awesome hike. Um, I know Waterfall Canyon is a big one in Ogden, but I think Adams Canyon is just ten times better. Just a awesome hike. Now, before we wrap up here, and obviously, you know, we really are appreciative of your time. I think I have the answer in my head for this question already for you, but I'm going to let you answer it. You know, we all have that moment growing up, whether it's playing hockey or watching hockey, or in your case you know, watching dad build what I've called in my head and feel free to use this name, the Orlando hockey dynasty. Rink. Um, again, feel free to use it. I, it's, it's, it's yours. You know, what's kind of that one moment where you knew hockey was your sport? Yeah. So I was thinking about this a little bit, um, trying to reflect on those moments as a kid. And, you know, the obvious one would be, you know, seeing that rink come to fruition when I'm eight years old and, and getting to play, my second season of might hockey and moving forward in that rink, you know, but if I would have to step even a little bit farther back in my life, you know, I would probably say the first time that I ever scored a goal in an organized game. And that was, I was, I was five, obviously the rink was not built yet. So we were playing a, you know, a local rink and it was on Halloween night. I just remember I was a, a little guy. I don't remember anything more than slapping the puck from the blue line and watching that puck travel. It felt like a mile away. Um, <laughs> and that puck traveled into the net through the goalie's legs and the goalie never even went down. He just watched the puck go through his legs. So uh, you know, I, I would say between those two moments, you know, that one, you know, getting to score that goal on Halloween night and then go home and, and then get a little trick or treating done. That was a really good moment uh, as far as, my my love for the game you know where it stems from but you know the ultimate one is definitely watching that building go up and doing everything i could as a kid to help and you know getting to appreciate it and reap the benefits of that and and you know that pushed my passion and my love for the game to where it is today it sounds like i might have been that goalie in net (laughs) 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 i I swear that's my playing style (laughs) watch them go through your legs yeah yeah i may have been called swiss cheese uh a few times in my in my not career so oh man but uh, no that that's awesome uh but no this, this was awesome guys this was a blast and uh we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in uh so be sure to follow us on twitter at phh official to let us know what you think and also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. We also want to thank our special guest, the head coach and GM of the Ogden Mustangs of the USPHL, Kenny Orlando, for jumping on again with us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a blast.
No, this was a really, really good time, and uh, I love talking Ogden Mustangs hockey, so we really are appreciative of uh, you taking out the time today to talk to us. Not a problem at all. All right, well, thanks for joining on, and everyone else, this is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.